This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Hello and welcome to the Backpacking Podcast. As always, my name is John and I'm here with my good friend, Jeremiah, the man whose beard glows like the morning sun. (laughs) And we are just so excited today because with us today, Jeremiah. Yes. We have a member of Hiking Royalty with us today. Tell me about him. We have a member of Hiking Royalty. This man is the current FKT holder for the 900 Mile Club in the Smoky Mountains. He is, he's, he's got his own YouTube channel, he's, he's on Instagram, he's been on multiple podcasts recently, and he's also been a part of a, a movie that came out recently called Highline that was all about the Uinta Highline Trail. He's also a huge advocate for mental health, especially for those dealing with PTSD. He is a fantastic member of the hiking community. I want to welcome to the show, Benny Plug It In Braden. So glad to have you here today, Benny. Hey guys, I appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Now, do you prefer to be called Benny or Plug It In? Which is which is the one you prefer? Uh, I'm I'm good either way. I have no preference really. <laughs> <laughs> I know some people. I know when we talked to Darwin, he's like, "My name is Darwin." So we we you know we, we stuck with that when we talked to him. So I just wanted to make sure. So yeah. So speaking of that, we hear that you have a. Um, Basically, you have you have your own shuttle system, where you went and picked up Darwin off of the AT when he had to come off. Yes, yeah. Whenever he made the choice to get off the trail, uh, he just happened to be in a great spot, pretty close to the NLC. And I live exactly two hours from the NLC, and so I just went over and picked him up, and he stayed here at the house for about a week or so. Well, we were just trying to figure out what was going to go on with all this. And uh, when it pretty much looked like this wasn't going to end anytime soon, he made the call to go on back home to Arizona and take that risky flight back home. He said that was the scariest thing that he's ever done. I can imagine. Um, And and I believe it. I mean, he was sending me pictures. Uh, You know, the airport was just vacant, just nobody. And, um, it, it was really eerie looking, you know, uh, he took some pictures of when he went through Dallas, Fort Worth. And I've been through that airport a number of times and there's nobody. That's I mean, a big airport. Just, Busy. That's a big airport too. And it was like, it was like a ghost town. That was just so eerie looking. I can imagine, you know, um, what's interesting, you know why I know the Dallas airport so well is they have a massage parlor in the airport <laughs> i i actually got a massage one time because i had like a three or four hour layover in in dallas and i went and got a massage during my layover and it was it was awesome it was awesome dude let me tell you this i was coming back from guatemala and had an eight hour layover in dallas fort worth and had traveler's diarrhea oh no took a, a vinegrin vinegrin 
Is that how you say yeah. it? Sure. It'll dry you up, man. It knocks you out too. And I slept <laughs> in that in the Dallas mall for like four hours on a bench. <laughs> that <laughs> a, is crazy. It's insane. But yeah, it's a huge airport. I did, can imagine. Did you have your current beard at that point? No, man. Okay. My, my wife was with me too. We were coming back from a mission trip and she was so nice. I just laid my head in her lap and died. Now, didn't, like didn't you propose to her down there? <clears throat> Actually, that was in Ecuador. Ecuador, okay. Yeah, two different trips, but both really nice. Flights. Yeah. Very cool. Nice. So, so Benny, you are the current FKT holder for the uh, the 900 Mile Club in in the Smokies. Uh, do you want to fill people in on kind of what that means? Some people may not know what an FKT is and uh, may not even know what the 900 Mile Club is. Could you kind of explain that a little bit? Sure. Uh, back in 2017, I did my first FKT, the first 900 miler. It was a winter time. And, you know, I was still working like three or four days a week. So I was really, I wasn't the first guy to do it. There was a lady who did it. Um, and I ended up beating her time. But my time was 78 days uh, right. for 900 miles. And, and I was still working three days a week the first month. So the, afterwards, you know, it got, I mean, it went crazy here. I mean, there was, there, there were probably a hundred plus people at the hiker celebration at the very end. You know, they, you know, you have two rows of people and they line up to form a tunnel with their trekking poles and you what? walk through it. It's, that it's is kind of so cool. like a, it's kind of like a christening, you know, uh, kind of deal. And there's so many people there. I was all over the newspapers, all the local television stations. It was psychotic. That's I mean, crazy. I couldn't even I go to Walmart. Yeah. I couldn't go to Walmart, Walmart or a grocery store without people recognizing me. And, uh, I felt embarrassed by it because <laughs> I mean, this is like, okay, this isn't what our FKT hike supposed to look like. I'm not supposed to still be working and out here hiking too. <laughs> Yeah, you're sitting there thinking and, to yourself, I could have done this a lot faster. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm thinking, good grief. Imagine what the publicity would be if I really do one. Yeah. So, so my conscience got the best of me, and later that fall I decided, okay, I'm going to do it again. This time I'm going to show you what one looks like. There you and go. Oh, I like so, the confidence. Yeah, so I, I, I was able to trim my mileage down. The, the original time was – 78 days and the total mileage was 944 miles now there's only 800 miles of trail in the park but it's a trail system and a lot of them interconnect and intermingle and you have to backtrack a whole lot and the right. average person who does the 900 miler uh, will do roughly in about 1500 to 2000 miles somewhere in that neighborhood um and, you know, the 900 miler is basically when you go into the, in the national park and in the Smokies and you hike all the trails in the end, that's, that's the 900 miler. And the 900 mile club is the ones who govern that. The park service actually has nothing to do with it, but the 900 mile club, they govern it and, uh, they're not really that keen on FKT stuff. Uh, they appreciated the publicity that I brought to the club, but afterwards they weren't, you know, just not big fans of it. They feel like it's a negative uh, in the end and kind of makes a mockery of it, I guess. I don't know. I don't huh. put words in nobody's huh. mouth, but um, 
we've had a few conversations and you know just they'd rather not have stuff like that going on but um and it's based on the honor system so it's really tough to you know people have to you have to really trust people that they're being honest when they say they're doing or whatever so gps tracking is the best route to go to prove that you are where you say you are uh that or taking pictures of trailhead trail signs you know it gives you know and do time and date stamp on your photo so it shows time and date you were there and uh you know you download those it can show you a route pretty easy but um, now, now did you save your gpx data so that if people wanted to follow the route you took they could do that or did you not save the the actual files no those two i did just photographs okay because I, I uh even though i was doing some i was shooting just a little bit of video on the go uh i, I chose to just take pictures of trail intersections whenever i started at each trail sign i took a picture even if i was not turning there or not this way if you download those you can see a progression of route and when okay. was this this, uh, the first one was uh, January, February, and March. So I actually started December 31st, if, the, if I think that was right. And I finished March 18th. And what year? On my first one, 2017. Gotcha. And so I went back later, felt guilty. Went back later, and that fall, I decided to do it again. But this time, I stayed in the park, basically. Only coming out to get resupplies or whatever. That time, I did it in 43 days. My total mileage was 924 miles. Uh, I basically used my data from my first hike, and I had a friend who worked at one of the government plants who had a computer program and he was able to get a hold of the park's trail data uh, and overlap that and then put my data on top of that and it showed me how to reconfigure my routes to the most efficient way where i was hiking too much here or whatever so that's how i was able to trim up mileage and in that time period the park had actually opened up several trails from the fires uh, that were closed during my first hike so I actually had more mileage to hike. Is that when Gatlinburg and all that caught fire? Is that yes. what shot out? Okay. Yep. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, those, that was uh, Thanksgiving weekend of 2016. Actually, me and Chad Poindexter of Sticks Blog were up on top of Mount LeConte watching this fire get bigger and bigger wow. at the chimneys. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah, we stayed at the shelter there, and... You know, the last night we were there, we could see 40-foot flames shooting up. And we made the call to go ahead and come off the mountain and get out of there. But yeah. we knew what the weather forecast was. The weather forecast was for high winds. And high winds and fire do not mix, <laughs> especially in a dry Ever. season. You know, 2016, there was like a major drought yeah. in the area. So uh, fires were popping up everywhere. So we were we were pretty intent on getting out of there. And uh, unfortunately, a couple of days later, you know, it, it got ugly. Yeah, it did. And uh, quite a few people died. Yep, I remember that very well. I remember, I remember well. 
I, I was actually looking to, uh, my wife and I had started our big boy jobs. Like it was our first full year of actually making money. We graduated college. And I was like, let's take a little Christmas vacation, just the two of us, for like four or five days in the Smokies. We've been in the Smokies quite a bit because we grew up in southern Kentucky. And mm-hmm. I remember they had, like, I booked a cabin. I accidentally actually booked the wrong one. And after I got the confirmation, I was like, oh, this is the second cabin. I was wanting to book the first one. And then, like, that weekend was whenever... All this stuff was burning down. They took this massive hit. We actually still mm-hmm. ended up being able to go, but the infrastructure, like very little shopping. There was absolutely no internet or cable to the cabin. It was just us yeah. isolated. Yeah, it was uh, it was pretty wild uh, how the fire just and, and, and to be and, and to kind of be fair, the the fires that were actually inside Gatlinburg, Gatlinburg. Those were mostly from down pair lines where trees really? had fell, where trees had fell and ripped pair lines down. Of course, when they spark, they pick up fires or start fires. But some of the fire from the Smokies, from the chimneys, uh, did leave the park, even though the parks, the government's little uh, report says it didn't. There's several sections of the trail that walk along the border that did catch fire. Yeah, and the structures that were right against the border are no longer standing. Wow, so it did. Crazy. It did indeed exit. But it was so wild to see, you know, the aftermath. You know, any uh, southeastern, you know, southwest facing ridge. You know, the rhododendrons were burnt all the way down to the root. I mean, it was like a blowtorch coming in through there. Yeah, so my wife. I was going to say, my wife and I were down there maybe a month or two before that happened. And we were down there for our anniversary. And I remember, uh, you know, when, when it all went down just a few months later and just the two of us looking at each other going, what in the heck happened? You yeah. know, it was just, we couldn't believe just how devastated the area was. Yeah, that fire, I mean, whenever it was blowing, you know, out of the park, it would hit those northwest or southwest facing ridges like a blowtorch burn everything, you know, all the way down to the root. And as soon as it would top over the ridge, it would almost use it as a ramp and it would jump to the next ridge. And so you get on the, the opposite facing ridge, there'd be no damage at all. I mean, leaves would still be on the ground. None oh, of it would same. be burned. So it's pretty pretty wild to hike along some of those trails like Baskins Creek and some of those trails like that or show you that very evident um, of of that kind of damage. So it was really wild just to kind of see that. And even in downtown Gatlinburg, um, some buildings caught fire and some buildings didn't, you know, and it would like skip and jump and hop around. And it was was pretty wild to, to see what, was burnt and what what survived i wonder like uh, you know how stuff burning it will um it'll turn the soil more fertile in the future i wonder mm-hmm. how well the new growth did after that i mean it's terrible that people lost their lives and it was devastating for the community and the economy down there um but i wonder how long 
I often wonder, like, especially with logged out places, like I see the smaller trees, you, there's nothing, there's not really a whole lot of stuff big in Kentucky like there is in some of the places yeah. out west that haven't been completely logged out. I wonder how fast it, it takes for all that to just replenish itself. I know within a year, uh, new rhododendrons are already growing. You know, so yeah. I haven't been back on some of the trails since, but uh, in that area, but you can see it from the road that it's it's getting flush, you know, really lush and uh, doing really well. And, but for you, what that meant was once there was trails that weren't accessible and then whenever you go back, you're trying to, well, I mean, you almost cut your time in half, right? But you had to up the mileage. And I say it also helped you that yeah. since you weren't like going back to work <laughs> multiple days, <laughs> and you could actually stay out there. That actually saves some backtracking, backtracking as well. Oh, a ton. And I had actually kind of routed my routes to where I would either come out to a road or near a campsite. See, in the Smokies, you just can't camp anywhere. Right. Yeah. You know, you have to camp at designated campsites and you have to have backcountry permits for that site. Um, so they're, they're pretty strict about that, too. And they don't want you to sleep in your car or inside the park or anything like that. I'm not going to say I did or didn't do that, but, <laughs> you know, um, I, I will say that I did have, I did stay at campsites where I did not have permits for because my route ends up, you know, I was able to push for a little bit more mileage. Right. I was doing a little bit better. Uh, but as soon as I got cell service, cause there's no cell service in the park, I was able to give the park service backcountry office a call and say, Hey, just letting you guys know, I ended up staying here instead of here. This is what happened. Uh, just want to, you know, because they're keeping up with their numbers, how many people stay at each campsite. Right. You know, uh, so I didn't want their numbers to be skewed. And so I'm, I'm trying to help them out a little bit. And, and I appreciate them being a little bit flexible with me, which they usually aren't. And uh, it was kind of funny. Uh, another side story. I was doing the Bent Mackay last year. And the Bent Mackay goes to the Smokies. Yeah. And I was actually on my way down on my last day coming down Baxter. And I ran into to a couple uh, rangers. I won't say their names. Don't get them in trouble. But um, I come across rangers, and I know them really well. And we're sitting there chit-chatting. And um, one of them says, well, you know, we have to ask you. Uh, it's it's part of the job. I said, sure, no problem. Here's my permits. I said, and I did not stay at a single location on that paper. <laughs> you know, like, and there was like a list. I mean, this was like four or five days worth of like campsites. I said, I didn't stay at a single one. And um, I said, but as soon as I get cell service, I'm going to call the backcountry office and let them know where I did stay. I said, I ended up just coming in faster and hotter than, than what I thought I was going to. And, you know, it's, it's kind of hard, you know, especially with the Bent Mackay, they don't have like a through hiker permit like we do the AT. Right. And whenever someone's through hiking the AT, they can pretty much stay at any shelter along the Appalachian trail going through the Smokies. You don't have to reserve or nothing like that. But with the Bent Mackay, they don't have that. So you have to like reserve your individual campsite along the Bent Mackay. 
That's a lot of work, man. Yeah, it's inconvenient. That's a lot of work. That's a huge amount of work and really tough to kind of calculate and figure out. And especially if you're trying, because when you're doing that, you're trying to reserve your spot. Right. And you can only reserve your spot 30 days out. And, you know, with, you know, within 30 days, you can do your reservation. And it's one of those situations where I was afraid that some of those campsites were pretty popular. Right. And that I wouldn't be able to stay there. So I booked mine out before I even started the Benton Mackay. And then I, you know, hiked 200 miles to, to get to the Smokies, basically. So a lot can happen during that time. You move faster, you may move slower, you know, whatever the case may be. Now, am I, am I, right, thing, am I right in saying that the Benton Mackay starts basically where the AT starts and loops east of it and then joins back up? Is that right? With the AT at the end? Yeah, basically the the AT and the Bent Mackay both start on Springer Mountain. Yeah, the Bent Mackay's southern terminus is about one tenth of a mile from the official terminus of the AT. Okay, but they're really close together, and uh, so basically the Bent Mackay jumps off of of the AT there, and they'll actually zigzag each other. Uh, a few times before they actually make it to the Smokies. Yeah. That's and, crazy. Uh, so that, that's, that's pretty cool. And a lot of people do, they have like a, a loop where some people will hike the Benton Mackay through the Smokies, turn around and come back via the AT or vice versa. I'll say just make it kind of a 600 mile kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, a lot, yeah, a lot, a lot of people do that, and one of these days I'd like to do that. That's uh, that'd be a pretty cool route. So, how many long trails have you done at this point? Just out of curiosity. Well, I've done, um, I've done the long trail goes through Vermont. Uh, most of the trails I've done have been, you know, somewhere around two, three hundred miles, somewhere in that neighborhood. It's hard for me to get away from work. Right. For, for much longer than about three weeks. Um, I, I'm fortunate that I own my own business, that I'm able to take the time off, but it's a risk because, you know, are your customers going to wait on you or are they going to just go somewhere else? Right, right. So I do have some of that, and I do lose a little bit of money whenever I do that. But um, I've done the long trail, the JMT out in California, uh, the to Highline, the Benton Mackay, the Foothills Trail. Um, I've done the TGO, which goes, you know, it's a race across Scotland. So our route was about 220 miles long. Um, and then just did a 90 mile hike in Turkey along the Black Sea, which was pretty cool. That's awesome. Wow. And uh, I've done the Ocean Lake Trail in Florida and some sections of the Florida Trail. And way back when, in 2015, I section hiked the first 500 miles of the Appalachian Trail. Very cool. And and some of those sections I actually did twice because I went through and took pictures, and then I had friends that seen them, and they were like, oh, I want to go. So that <laughs> means I got to do it again. So let me ask you this, because – you do a lot of these longer hikes and things like that. What is your favorite part about backpacking? What is your favorite thing about it? 
the simplicity that just uh, all I have to do is get up and walk. Hmm. I don't have to do anything else. I just walk. And it gives me plenty of time to just kind of have that alone time to just think, to to pray, to, you know, spend that time with my creator, to, to just ponder life's questions, you know, and and also clean off my desk. Uh, as you guys mentioned, I'm a, I'm a big advocate for, you know, PTS awareness and first responders. I was an EMT for many years, firefighter, rescue diver. And, um, and, and I struggle with that. I've been very open about that struggle. And um, the best way I would describe it to people is I have a desk in my head and it's all piled up and messed up like everybody else's desk is. And whenever I'm out hiking, it gives me a chance to kind of clean my desk off. I can pull an image off that top of that desk and just kind of try to deal with that a little bit, you know, whether it's praying about it or whether it's just trying to figure out some answers or, or just trying to come to peace with it most of the time uh, or just different events in my life. So it allows me to just kind of do stuff like that. And I don't have to really think about work. I don't have to think about what's going on at home or whatever. Yeah. I get to relieve the stresses of, of life a little bit. Yeah. I, I love the desk analogy. That's yeah, awesome. Too. That's what happens yeah. to me. You, uh, I went not too long ago with a couple and it was me and my wife and this couple and uh, they, were, they were wanting to do the AT this year. It kind of fell in place for them. They were going to do a flip-flop. They couldn't start until, I believe, July. And I was like, oh, that'd be super cool. And they had bought quite a bit of gear for it. And, you know, this is before this whole pandemic thing. And I was like, let's go out so you can actually try out some of this gear before you get on trail. And then you have to switch it out. Like, you need to switch it out now while you're working, not while you're working on reserves. And yeah. we went out, and I was walking with them, and I was like, don't you just love how simple everything is and that we've been walking today for five or six hours, and the only thing you have is your footsteps and your thoughts. Like, yeah, you can yeah. listen to music and stuff, but, you know, what other time in your life do you ever have where you have nothing to do but think? And yeah. it just... It, it lets you consider things that you never even think about and come to peace with things that you kind of push away. And I don't know. I love it. Yeah, I do too. I mean, I, I enjoy the opportunity to create as well, you know, whether it be photography or videography um, to kind of share what, what I'm seeing, what sharing what I'm seeing through my lens. Yeah. Uh, and try to do it in a manner that maybe is a little bit different than what maybe most people are doing. Um, you know, I'm kind of in a transition with my with my videography stuff uh, to change from a trail vlog style um, type videos like I did with the JMT or the Benton Mackay or something like that to doing something a little bit different that, you know, I'm really inspired by Panda. Yeah. And and Panda, Darwin, uh, and there's another girl that that um 
did the PCT, I think, last year. She did a phenomenal job. Yeah, Lena uh, Me Osborne. and Darwin. Yeah, me and me and um, oh, um, me and Darwin sat and watched uh, her YouTube channel. I, I forget exactly what her name is. I follow her on Instagram now and in YouTube. But man, yeah. just the way way she shared it was it's almost inspiring. like it was like a telling a love story. Hmm. It's like telling a love story of a trail, and it just makes you want to continue to watch yeah and and you don't get bored with it you don't it's like just just the way it's it's brought to you it just makes you like it it's like a book in video form it's it was yeah so i think her trail name was tip tap but yes her name was alina osborne i got in touch with her because i was like I am absolutely loving what you're doing. Like your storytelling is next level, but I mean, it wasn't her first rodeo, not to take anything away from her. I did a little research. She's done some, uh, some different journals and articles and other videography. So she did a Mm -hmm. fantastic job, but it really inspired me. And I started to try to do videos like that too. Yeah. Say she's, she's just good at telling a story. And I think, I think that's what connects people. I don't think it's, uh, for us, when we're hiking and we're doing these these longer trails, these longer days, uh, we're connecting with the trail. But people who are watching a video, they aren't going to connect with the trail. They're going to connect with the story about the trail. And exactly. she she does a killer job of just telling that story. Yeah. Yeah, there's no question. Uh, I mean, she brought it up next level. And, you know, I had started watching Panda's stuff whenever he was out there doing the PCT. And... I felt like he was next level. Yeah. You know, I was like, Oh my goodness, dude, this is like crazy. And I met Panda when he was through hiking the AT. He was actually standing at newfound gap in the pouring rain, uh, wearing like a Z patch pointy hat. And, uh, I was coming back from, from Bryson city outdoors over in Bryson city. I was coming back home. It was right after trail days too. And uh, I came over the gap, and there he was, and I rode down my window, and I still had my Z-Pack shirt on and stuff because I was up there helping those guys out with trail days. And uh, he's like, your team Z-Packs. I was like, give me a ride, bud. And uh, (laughs) he's like, yeah, I'll jump in the back. I said, no, you're jumping in the front. He goes, but I'm well. I don't care. And I took him into town, got him a good meal there, Smoky Mountain Brewery, and took him to his – hotel and arranged for him to get a ride the next morning because i got quite a few friends around the smokies and uh, got him back to the trail and me you know got a letter from his family you know thanking me and um for taking care of him yeah just so me panda and and his family have stayed in touch and you know just just good good people you know i first found panda on uh, second chances video yeah. because second chance was out there and he had just run into pan and they ended up hiking together for several miles. And yeah. uh, it, it was like a serious bromance going on between those two guys. It's awesome. And, uh, but I, I ended up going to his channel by watching second chances video and just binge watching pandas videos. And yeah. he's so good. He's so good. Yeah. There's a reason why Darwin picked him to help him with the the AT or the um, into the into the Great Southwest. Yeah, there's yeah, a reason why he asked him for that. 
and that's another funny story. Okay, here, here's one of these hose six degree kind of deal stories. All right, I I pick up Tan, Panda, and we we become friends. Of course, me and Chris Mead, Outmercial Film, uh, films are 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 friend, good friends. Which Highline and is phenomenal, by the way. Thank you. It thank is you. Phenomenal. I feel like a geek in it. Or, or <laughs> I just, you know, I wasn't used to people putting the camera in my face. And every time we would wake up or something, you couldn't even open your eyes, and Chris would be there with the camera in your face, like <laughs> see something. It's like, how do you feel? It's like, get out of my face. <laughs> or something, right you know. You know, it's like okay. Then you're sitting here trying to like trying to come up with something to say or something witty to say. So, but he did a phenomenal job on that. And I just feel grateful for that opportunity to share my story on that, that kind of a stage. Well, and And you were, um, you were there with kind of one of the OG YouTubers with a red beard. Um, yeah, which, uh, I've followed him for quite a while too and kind of miss him. He hasn't been online. I haven't seen any new stuff from him in a while, but it was kind of cool hearing his story, hearing your story, um, oh, yeah. who was, who's the older gentleman that was with you guys on that? I'm, I'm forgetting his name. Yeah. Steve. Yeah. His story. Wow. Um, yeah. just, just the stories about you guys and just getting kind of an inside look of who you were as people. Uh, great video or great movie. Great movie. Yeah. So thank you so much. Um, okay. So Chris is getting ready to do another project or, or looking at possibly doing another project. So he's assembling a team. And me and Panda, we've stayed in touch and Panda sent me videos and said, hey, man, what do you think about this? So he's kind of honing in his editing styles a little bit. And when I find out Chris is doing this project, I holler at Chris. I'm like, listen, you need to hook up with Panda because this guy's got some skills that I think could benefit Outmersive Film or whatever. So in this process, Darwin is also invited to that little project. And, you know, in the end, Darwin and Panda end up connecting and saying, hey, let's do this together. And that's how the Great Southwest, through the Great Southwest, kind of came to pass a little bit with those two guys. And uh, if you've not seen that film I, I think that that one is just phenomenal it's so good uh, so yeah good. i do i make several cameo appearances in it you're the last person <laughs> in it aren't you at the very I'm very end the, yeah i'm in it a few other times but i am the very last person that's in it yeah. whenever the bug was attacking it, it was phenomenal <laughs> too it's so yeah good. uh we went out in december and did a 50 mile section hike and uh so he took us to a section that involved climbing up Mount Micah and, and going through the Sonora Desert and all this other stuff. So it was really diverse. And, you know, sections are in the desert. Everything's trying to kill you. Next thing you know, you're you're up on side of a mountain that all of a sudden there's trees. And it looks like you're on the PCT because there's, you know, there's big redwoods. And then you go over that mountain that's 8,000 feet. And you drop off the other side and it looks like you're in the Smokies because you're in these like green tunnels. Wow. It's like any, I've never been on a section trail that 
that was that crazy. And then you drop down way low, and you're going through these little prairies and stuff, and it's almost like you're going through parts of the Florida Trail. Well, and there's desert too, right? Yeah, yeah, that's the snore part. Yeah, that that was the first part that we went through with all the tall cactus and and uh, everything that wants to sting and kill you. Well, I, I want to <laughs> ask your advice because my progression kind of went like this. My first ever overnight backpacking was from Fontana Dam to it was supposed to be come out at Clingman's Dome, but I fell in love with hanging out with these through hikers and hiked on with them to Newfound Gap and just hung out, showed them around Gatlinburg. And I was like, man, this is amazing. And then I went on and later on did some small stuff. I did uh, the JMT in Big South Fork, and that was like three or four days. And then did the Foothills Trail and did the Long Trail. And I'm a teacher, so I have a couple months off in the summer every year. So I'm on the lookout, and I looked at the Florida Trail. My wife actually wants to move to Florida and from Kentucky. And I was like, I don't know if I really want to do that. No, I mean, no offense to the Florida Trail. No hate on them. I just – it looks pretty wet. <laughs> it, looks like, it looks like I could be walking through some knee or waist-high swampy. Yeah. And I was like, ah, the Arizona Trail looks really cool too. So I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I mean – you don't want to move to Florida. It's, I mean, it's, and, and, and I love Florida. I mean, my buddy Matt, he, he lives there in Melbourne. And I, I, go I have to family in Melbourne. At least. I have family in Melbourne. Melbourne's awesome. Yeah, I've, I've been in Melbourne a lot. So, yeah, I, I go to Melbourne probably about twice a year. Okay. Um, you know, ZPAX is based out of Melbourne. So, really? Uh, I usually go over to the shop. Yeah. I didn't know that. Next time I go down there, I have to yeah. go check out the shop. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's a it's a pretty pretty big place now. That's cool. But but yeah, um, it's hot, it's humid, and there's a lot of mosquitoes. That that's Florida. Yeah, yeah. Basically, and as far as and if you're in town, then there's just so many people that you, you just you, a lot of people. You just want you just want to stab somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it's too many people. So what you're saying is with the whole PTS yeah. thing, you don't want to go to Florida. <laughs> That's exactly. That's exactly right. <laughs> but I'll tell you, um, in around Thanksgiving, whenever we did the Ocean of Lake Trail, which is like 70 something miles long, it's a good representation of what you're going to look at if you were to do a Florida Trail through hike. Okay. Dude, I loved it. I mean, my feet were wet. 90% of the time, we were going through stuff that was up to our knees. Um, we went through a couple swamps. You know, we were spread out a little bit, probably about a mile between everybody. Um, so I went through some swamps by myself. Uh, wasn't really, like, speaked out about it. You know, gators aren't going to mess with you. Um, really? They might, they might be a little curious, but, you know, they're not going to, like, screw with you too much. But, <laughs> I don't know, um, man. <laughs> But the water moskins, they they may have something to say. Yeah, but that's, I didn't, that's I, all scary. I didn't, yeah, I didn't come across any. And uh, I was a little bit worried about it. You know, you going through like really brackish, murky water at times, you, you know. But it wasn't too bad. I enjoyed it. Uh, I still haven't yet edited any of those videos. 
Um, Matt, he has his videos up from that trip. They turned out really good. And what was really cool about that trip, uh, Jupiter lives not too far from there. And he actually gave us the, he guided us on that hike. Yeah, I saw that. He's done it. Yeah. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's done it like 22 times. I was times to say, yeah, he, knows, he knows that place like, <laughs> like at the back of his hand. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we lucked out by going down there, and he was our tour guide for that trail. And then I come home a couple days later, fly out west, and then Darwin's my tour guide on the Arizona Trail. So it's <laughs> like, okay, how do you look up and, and get this kind of like That's great. catered? Yeah, and, and actually the trip out west, we were actually supposed to do a rim to rim to rim. Wow. Uh, for the Grand Canyon, but the north rim was iced up. Uh, you don't want to be on that in the ice, man. Yeah, yeah, they told us that it probably wouldn't be a good idea. So we drove down to uh, Tucson and down down below there to, to do a section hike. That's yeah, awesome. That, that, that was kind of cool. But yeah, the whole uh, Darwin kind of deal, y'all can take me. It's okay. You're welcome. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome, man. I'll tell you, those two together are just crazy. It's magic, man. It's magic. Yeah. So, so, okay, tell us a little bit about um, your whole campaign for PTS, because that's been a big thing for you. I've noticed a lot of your Instagram posts about it, and... Uh, just, it's really inspiring how you have, have taken this on. Can you kind of give us a little bit about that? Sure. Um, I was a EMT firefighter, rescue diver, a uh, mixture of all three, uh, for a total of a little over uh, like 11 to 12 years, somewhere in that neighborhood. Also taught Swiftwater Rescue for the state's rescue college, state Tennessee's rescue college. And that also made up the emergency response team so if you had a local town you had some flooding issues and your local departments couldn't handle that like your fire department may might not had the equipment to handle that kind of emergency you guys would call us we would go in deal with it rescue the people that need to be rescued or um, you know help recover the people who need to be recovered and we would go on to the next place or whatever but we also taught police fire rescue ems how to do you know rescues and you know flood flood stage kind of water but um but yeah i did that for 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 a pretty good while and actually retired out and um really didn't have any major issues um until a little while like three years after that. And then I went through a personal traumatic experience. Uh, I had a relationship that ended abruptly, uh, unannounced and, um, it, it sent me into a downspiral. It sent me into a deep depression. Uh, I ended up attempting suicide during that time and, wow. um, slowly was able to get back on my feet by grace of God. He, he wasn't done with me. And, uh, I appreciate that. We all appreciate and, that. Yeah. And uh, so, I, you know, a couple of years later, um, I got into another relationship. And, you know, it, it seemed like everything was fine. But 
uh, unbeknownst, uh, I was doing, you know, I started having all these like fits of rage and uh, just something wasn't right. You know, shortly after we got married, I knew, noticed something wasn't right. And I just couldn't put my finger on it. And, um, you know, essentially I was being triggered uh, via arguing or arguments or whatever would trigger me into an episode. But once I'm into an episode, then we're on for, for a ride. You know, we're dealing oh, with, yeah. we're dealing with, um, you know, flashbacks, you know, nightmares, different things of that nature. Uh, so I would go sleep in my truck for a couple of days, you know, black out my cover up my windshield and everything and just sit in my truck in total silence and darkness for like two days. Uh, in order just to calm me back down. And once I was calmed down, it was like it never happened. Uh, I was I was good to go. Uh, but that went on and on and on and on for, for like six years. And uh, I just really never like put my finger on what was like causing all this. And because um, I mean, I enjoyed being married. I, I was I was very happy. In my opinion, I was very happily married. I, I was very put a lot into that relationship, but, um, you know, in the end, it, it wasn't the right thing for me. Uh, we didn't mesh well, I, I guess, probably the best way to put that. And, uh, I was being triggered and, and it wasn't good for me. Mm-hmm. So my last, um, I got connected with, um, and actually, you know, I, I tried to share my story, you know, with people via my my blog and YouTube and everything else, you know, about about PTS and first responders and just sharing my personal experience with it, just in case there's somebody that's dealing with it that's not really sure what they're dealing with, because I actually dealt with it for three years before I actually knew or was diagnosed, and uh, I just thought I was just going mad or crazy or I was just becoming an ugly person. I had no idea what was going on. And, um, but once I was diagnosed, I, you know, I kind of kicked it in high gear sharing my story because I've noticed that every time I shared it, I felt a little bit better. Mm, yeah. You know, it was like getting something off my chest. So every time I share it, it gets a little bit easier. And obviously as life goes on, your story changes and mine's, changing you know unfortunately um i'm in the middle of a divorce right now so um i hate that it's not a choice that i chose but um in the end it's honestly it's been the best thing for me because i am at day 187 i was gonna say i remember you were creeping up on 200 days man yeah yeah it's like crazy how many days I've gone PTS episode free. Um, and the crazy thing to the whole thing is my last episode was October 8th. Now I had gone to my first class of reboot reboot recovery is a nonprofit organization based out of middle Tennessee that assists veterans, first responders and their families who are struggling with mental traumas like PTS and it's free. They provide childcare. They feed you, you know, it's, 
there's no excuses why you shouldn't be going. And they want the whole family to go because it's important for the spouses to understand what, you know, the first responder or military member are, is dealing with. And, um, you know, and, and that was probably one of the contributing factors to, to my relationship is that she just didn't understand mm-hmm. um, what I was dealing with or, or why my response was the way it was or, or whatever. But um, so I actually got connected with Reboot because of Brian Ford up in Pennsylvania with Hike by Faith Outdoors. And we were going to be doing this hike called LHX 2020. And we're raising money and awareness for Reboot Recovery and Mission 22. And unfortunately, COVID happened and that hike has been canceled, which was scheduled for May. But we're still figuring out different ways that we can still do things to help Reboot Recovery and Mission 22. So, um, but anyways, I got introduced to Reboot through Brian and I got in touch with my local Reboot people. And before it was over with, I actually got to meet the co-founders of Reboot, uh, Evan and Jenny Owens over in uh, Middle Tennessee, great people. I've gotten to know them really well. Uh, got to meet with them uh, quite a few times and just communicate with them off and on here and there. And uh, their mission of just helping veterans and helping first responders is just, it's hard enough to get behind something like that. Yeah, I you would know? say so. Especially, especially when you relate to it like you do. So that's how I kind of came about of, you know, I just want to help others because, you know, I don't think I can. I mean, I have reached out to my local departments, my local fire department and rescue squad and and all that uh, amidst all this chaos and said, hey, you get shorthanded, holler at me, I'm there. Yeah. Call me back in, I'll be there. You know, so, I mean... I'll do it if I have to do it, but it's not something I'm just going to just go and do, you know, not every job is not every job you're going to see from trauma, you know, not every call, but, you know, and I think I could still handle the calls with that deal with trauma. Now that I have a better coping mechanisms, now that I know how to deal with that trauma and understand it better. And you have a good support system. You have a good support system underneath you. No question. No question. I feel like I could easily do that job again if I chose to. Um, But, you know, it's just one of those, one of those things that you, you have to get to that point though. You have to like learn how to understand what you're dealing with. And that's what reboot recovery does is, you know, they help you understand what kind of trauma are you dealing with and, you know, how is it affecting you? How is it affecting your soul? You know, because if you think about it, you know, your your soul is damaged when you're exposed to just certain types of trauma. You know, it whenever you say think whenever you see something and you hear someone say, it just shook me, I just I'm in shock. You know, there's more going on there than just mental. Yeah you know, mental trauma, there's a lot more going on there, especially when you're exposed to it repeatedly, you know, every few days like I was. But, um, 
that's a job I would do again in a heartbeat. So did you discover backpacking and use that as a, um, a tool in your tool belt to deal with the trauma or were you already, um, backpacking before and now you just use it, um, like you said, to help clear some of that metaphorical disc? Yeah, I was, I was already backpacking a little bit before, but I'd gotten away from it. Uh Like in my early twenties, in my late teens and early twenties, um, I did a little bit of backpacking. Matter of fact, you know, we were talking about the big South Fork. My senior year, spring break, you know, everybody's heading down to Panama City to party it up. I'd go to Big South Fork to do a backpacking trip. You know, so I'm already, I was already, that was already instilled in me a long time ago. My grandparents lived at the very edge of the Cumberland Mountains as it drops down into Tennessee Valley. And I remember just staying on the side of their property, which had like a bunch of cliffs just boarding it. And you can look across the Tennessee Valley and see the Smokies on a, you know, a low humidity day. And, you know, just playing along the rocks and me and my cousins would cut in all these little trails to all these little outcrops and different things like that. And so I I spent a lot of time in the woods growing up. And so I already knew how at peace I was there. So I got into, you know, in my early 20s, got out of, you know, got into backpacking, got out of backpacking, started doing rescue work, and rescue work pretty much engulfed my life all the way into my low mid-30s. And uh, got out of rescue work and started turkey hunting and did that for uh, quite a few years. And um, once I was out there doing turkey hunting a lot, I was like, you know, remembered all the times backpacking. So that's how I kind of fell back into backpacking in roughly 2015 when I got back in there. And actually what triggered me into that is one day I was watching YouTube and came across Will's videos, his AT videos, and uh, I binge watched them in one of them, just yeah. boom, boom, boom. And I was like, man, that guy's cool, and, you know, and all this other stuff. <laughs> I had no idea at that time that, okay, I would be friends with not only him, but the guys at Z-Packs and, you know, and make all these connections with people, you know, across the hiking industry. You know, I just, I find that just amazing. It's interesting you know? too, how that works because it's, it's a big community, but it's a small community. That's exactly what I You was know what I mean? Say. Like there yeah. are a lot of people that backpack, but it's easier to communicate with each other and connect with each other than people realize. Cause I'm the yeah. same way. I, I started a YouTube channel in, in 2018 and it was just, it was literally just started to track my Sheltoe Trace hike. That was the only point of it. It was for yeah. my buddies to see it, and through chance meetings with other YouTubers, decided to do other stuff with the channel, and through that, I've been able to meet, well, you and uh, guys like Dan Becker, and I've gotten a chance now to talk with Darwin, yeah. and Jeremiah and I have become friends, and there's this huge network of us that have become friends, and if you'd asked me two years ago, if that would have happened, I'd have been laughing. Cause I've been like, I'll never get to know those people, you know? <laughs> yeah. And, but it's, but it is, it's, it's, it's such an interesting community. The, the, the backpacking community is, uh, way more accessible than probably 
any community I've ever seen. Yeah. Yeah. There's no question about it. I, I just, for me, I feel a little dumbfounded by it sometimes, you know, whenever, you know, whenever we were Denny's Heights and, you know, Will would be with us or I would go down to the shop and I'd just walk in the door. Yeah. You know, at the Z-Pack shop, you know, now, I, you know, I just think it's kind of funny, you know, to how things really are in reality to, to where I thought things were. Right. Everybody's you know, just how people. How, uh, how unobtainable. Yeah. People are just people. They're just people. You yeah. Know? And it doesn't matter if they own, you know, companies or like Z-Packs or Goose Feet or whatever. They're just people, you know? And, you know, I think that's just one of the things, I, one of the elements I think that we just kind of overlook. And, and a big part of the backpacking community that I have to talk to you about, because I talk about this with everybody who comes on the podcast, um, how do you maintain that amazing beard of yours? <laughs> <laughs> well, if I can keep my hands off of it, it'll grow pretty good. A lot of times I just get, you know, get impatient or get nervous and I'll just start like pulling on my beard, running my fingers through it or whatever. It's like, stop. Keep <laughs> your hands off of it so it will grow. Well, it's, it's, I mean, your beard is, is, impressive he's got a good looking beard yeah i was gonna say I, you know darwin's got a good beard we were talking with him about it because everybody who comes on who has a beard we talk about the beard but uh yeah. yours in particular is is pretty iconic when it comes to you i mean everybody if you ever cut that beard off i don't think anybody would know who you were nobody would have a clue and yeah. actually we were laughing about it we were talking about that whenever me darwin and matt were on the arizona trail and uh i told him i said you know because because darwin was talking about you know uh, if he had changed his appearance, how nobody would have a clue, you know, who, who he was. And, and I basically said the same thing. I said, I, I actually, for a moment, I was actually thinking about cutting my beard. And uh, there's like, no, do not do it. Yeah, don't do you that. Know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not happening. <laughs> I, I want to do it, man. Mine's getting close to five inches. That's not long Yeah, enough. nice. Well, I nice. mean, I just, I've just been letting it grow. I mean, that's the only thing, like that's the key to the beard. And uh, when it started getting longer, Jason Helmendaler sent me a uh, a beard oil that he makes at home. And yeah. before I was using some like um, Honest Amish beard butter mm -hmm. or something like that. I yeah. don't know. But he sent me some uh, balm as well. And he said, put the oil on in the morning, put the balm on before you go to bed. Now, I've been using yeah. that and... It's a lot, lot softer conditioning it, but yeah, yeah I, I think I want to shave it. Uh, no, no, <laughs> I, I've been, I've been talking to him about this. I think this is just a bad. Uh, Mister, plug it in, sir. Would you please convince this man that that is a bad idea? Yeah, yeah, shaving is not. Matter of fact, go home and throw your razors away. Just, <laughs> Thank you. Just, just throw them away. They're, they're useless. Yeah, I mean, for myself. Um, I've got a good friend that lives down in the next county below me. Um, he owns Tennessee Beard Company, and uh, they've been a sponsor of mine for for a couple of years now. And pretty good guys. Uh, uh, he makes a really good beard oil and stuff like that. Just makes it out of his out of his home. Do you and, know what his uh, name is? Yeah, uh, Chris Reed. Okay, I'm thinking somebody else, but 
Yeah, he lives down in Dayton. That's cool. We'll have to check that out. See, the thing is, I, I'm jealous of you guys that grow these phenomenal beards and everything. I basically have like 90% neck beard is what I have. Like, mm-hmm. it just doesn't grow as nice as you guys do. So whenever I see these beautiful, big, bushy beards, <laughs> and then I watch one of my videos and realize how scraggly <laughs> mine looks, I just have a lot of I have a lot of beard jealousy, just to be honest with you. Uh, I struggle well, with it. A lot of people don't know that I did win a beard contest back in 2016. Really? Um, yeah, I entered, and that's whenever my beard was like not even nowhere near as big as it is now. Um, that was for Can You Handlebar Beard Company. And um, I won the popular vote. So they had like three categories, you know, and you know, I was going on my social media and saying, hey, you know, go vote for me, go on here, vote daily. And, you know, you could vote once a day or something like that. And um, so I just had everybody going on there voting. And next thing I know, I won. And I won like $500 in like beard oil and bomb and another, another like $2,000 in prizes, like this fancy watch and this wow. bomber leather bomber jacket. Dude, it was like crazy the stuff they were sending me. So what you're telling us um, is you are not only hiking royalty, but you're also beard royalty. Like yeah. you're you're like high class. You're probably the most high class person we've had on the show. It, it, it's like award winning. I can put that next. I should put that on my <laughs> bio. I should put that on my bio on my Instagram. Award winning. That's and just leave it. Just I, I think you should. I there. think you should. That's needed to be on there. Ha, have you? Yeah. Have you ever bumped into Austin Lankford? He lives in Middle I Tennessee. Have, I have not. Okay, he has. He's got like a small YouTube channel that is just dedicated to places that people could day hike in Middle Tennessee. And I went and hung out with him one time outside of Nashville at one of their like uh, I don't know suburbia um, mm-hmm. little parks and done a little hiking, yeah. made some videos. And his beard, I'm talking literally down to his knees, and he said. Nice. Not one day goes by. I say, you ever think about shaving it? He's like, all the time. And I was like, why? He said, not one day goes by that somebody doesn't stop me in the grocery store. They said they'll pull up next to his vehicle and ask him to roll down the window so they can ask him about his beard. That's yeah. crazy. That's awesome. Yeah, I'm always going somewhere and, and someone will say, nice beard, man. <laughs> and actually, no, this, this is true story. This is true story. Okay, um... Every well, just about every year, I go to Winter Jam. You know, it's the yeah, yeah. It's uh, basically a, a Christian concert where they have like different artists. You can get in for like ten bucks. Yeah, I was supposed um, to go in Cincinnati, but they ha- they canceled it because of COVID. Yeah, yeah. I was supposed to go to Chattanooga, and they closed it like two days prior. Oh, Same. that's dang. Yeah, yeah. And I just bought like the Winter Jam Nation, so you kind of get in the door early <sighs> and all that. Yeah, but anyways, they told me i could use it next year nice but anyways cool story okay we go to winter jam and after the show all the artists will be up and you can go and get your autograph and you know pictures with them and all this other stuff uh very approachable and stuff like that so i'll go up and, and i'm a big rock and roll guy and so red was there that year so I'm standing there just watching off to the side. I'm not even standing in line, just watching these guys sign autographs and 
pictures and they're down to their last person and they're putting things up and I'm just sitting there just chilling, not being like a stalker kind of deal, you know, not like <laughs> trying not, not to be a creeper, be, not trying to be creeping on red, but, um, sit there and, and my son, he's like, dad, go and, and, and my kids, they're all like, go say, Hey, go say, Hey, I'm like, I don't want to do that. That seems cheesy. I said, no, go do it. So I, so I walk up. I say, hey, guys, great show. I uh, really, really love your music. And I shook your hand. And the lead singer said, man, he said, that's a rocking beard, man. I love it. Oh, the sick. following year, he grew a beard. It was like this massive beard. And, and he still has that beard today. So I like to tell everybody I inspired Red to grow a beard. You're, you're, inspi- you're inspirational and, and on John multi Cooper, fronts. And John Cooper, because I've seen John Cooper, and then he grew his beard big. So. Have you there had a chance go. to meet John Cooper, the, the lead singer I, Skillet? I you're talking about the lead singer Skillet, right? Yes, yeah. Okay, funny story. I, I know John Cooper. Um, I used to live in Kenosha, Wisconsin, where he lives. And, nice. And I was going to see – it was when Star Wars came out with uh, – the newer movies. You yeah. remember the, the, the technically yeah. episodes one, two, and three. And yeah. I was at one of those movies. I can't remember which one, but I was standing in line and the, there were tons of, it was back when you couldn't reserve seats, obviously. So there was huge sure. lines and standing next to me in the line next to me was John Cooper wearing a Darth Vader t-shirt. Nice. And nice. we ended up talking for the entire time until we got in and then it just ended up being this thing where I, we would run into each other all the time in town. He is, he is genuinely Crazy. one of the nicest guys in the world. Yeah, and uh, yeah, killer singer too, man. That guy Skillet's yeah, a rocking band, man. Yeah, yeah. His uh, that's that's my favorite. Um, my favorite band is Skillet, hands down. As far as my favorite individual artist would be Crowder. Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, obviously he's a good guy, too. guy with an epic. Yeah, another guy with an epic beard. Yes. Um, I've had some chances to meet him. I've seen him at a few different shows and gotten really close, but never was able to time it out right where I was in the right spot at the right time. Right. He's a but, nice guy, um, too. He's a, I've gotten to meet him on a couple occasions. He's a really nice guy. Really nice guy. Nice. I was I was okay. lucky enough to be in the, the, the music industry for a little while and got to meet a lot of these guys, and uh, they're all very humble, very good, nice guys. Yeah, we were we were at one of the um, one of the Winter Jam shows where Skillet was headlining, and somebody, uh, my kids were in line to get autographs, and I'm standing there pretty close. And I guess they get done with the concession, so they dump, you know, they bring these big trays of French fries, and set them, you know, this kid end up with one of these trays. So he's carrying it around with him. So he sets the tray down in front of Skillet at the table to get his thing he wants autographed. And John Cooper grabs one of the French fries and autographs the French fry <laughs> and sets it back down. I thought that I thought That's that was priceless. awesome. That's awesome. That that was good. That was good stuff. That is. Benny, plug it in. Thank you. Thank you for being yeah. on here today. This has been a lot of fun, man. We're going to have to get you back on here again. Yes, for sure. Uh, it's, Absolutely. It's just been a blast chatting with you. Um, we're definitely going to get you back on here again, but we're hitting real close to an hour and 10 minutes, so we're going to uh, go ahead and 
bring this to a close. But folks, if 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 people want to get in touch with you, plug it in. What what's the best way to for for people to find out more about you and what you do and uh, to to get connected with um, the different things that you're all a part of with PTS and everything. Well, all of my social media is easy to find. All you gotta do is look up "plug it in hikes." That's it. Plug it in hikes. Social media, it's all all right there. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Uh, you know, plug it in hikes. I have a uh, plug it in hikes dot com. I have a blog. I need to get on there and actually do something on it. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, YouTube. Which kinda, you have uh, one of the coolest in. intros to your videos. That 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 <laughs> graphic where you're walking over the. It looks like you're walking over the camera, but it's all black and white and like cut out and everything. That is a really cool intro. Yeah, mask that logo in there. That's that's really cool. And actually, Matt, uh, I am details uh, designed my logo. So I absolutely love that. That's awesome. And, uh, but yeah, that that's uh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, I kind of took a little break from YouTube, but we're getting ready to get back at it. Very cool. You know, but yeah, very cool. Thanks again, man. You you have been a lot of fun to talk to, um, and we're definitely going to have to make this happen again. So I'm game. Awesome, man. Well, for the backpacking podcast, myself and Jeremiah, thank you guys for listening today. And we'll catch you on the next go-round. Adios.